East Coast Gold. So with so many things happening to the planet with climate change, uh, human contributions to uh, the change of the planet, uh, wildlife and animal species are under threat. But one of the areas that uh, isn't as focused on as perhaps it should be is conservation. And uh, it was a couple of years ago, I remember 10, 15 years ago, conservation was a massive thing. Sometimes conservation happens very far away from uh, our own country and it takes 70 hours or 76 hours to sort out something very urgent on the line is uh, the lawrence anthony earth organization's yvette taylor talking about an incredible rescue good morning yvette how are you i'm wondering yourself very good thank you uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit before we talk about this incredible rescue of four lions from the ukraine let's just chat about what you guys do lawrence anthony earth organization what is what is the key role that you play in society um, we try to reach into the various um, aspects of protecting the environment uh, we focus uh, a lot on education and we've put uh, last year for example we put 600 uh, underprivileged kids to an um, environmental school camp and so we've put a lot of attention on, on an education, but at the same time, you have to do the other stuff. <laughs> For the, sure. Um, you know, the animal work and um, game reserve work, just to kind of make sure that that stuff is there for the future. I really like that because the current generation have kind of uh, messed this up as far as uh, working to protect our planet, which is the only one we've got. So what is an environmental camp? What do you do? Uh, we take uh, young learners uh, on a weekend camp. Uh, they go on bushwalk, they go and see some wildlife. They do water studies. They learn really basic environmental issues or about environmental issues. And those things are kind of the, the we try and reach that little tipping point where they, there's suddenly an interest, there's suddenly right. an understanding of how the environment is important in their lives. Do you see the penny drop with these kids where all of a sudden they go, hang on, we need to look after this stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely. They, you know, it's always fine when you think it's, over there somewhere. But when you suddenly realize it's your own life that's impacted, they do. The light goes on and they go, wow, you know. And I, wow. and I always say to them, when you go home, you tell your mom and dad and your uncles, because the older generation, we missed out on environmental stuff. We, you know, we just didn't know. Yeah. But the youngsters can then educate the, the elders. That's super practical. Talk about practical. Four lions in the Ukraine. What were the conditions of these lions and how did you come to hear about this and, and what sparked the mission to go and do something about it? So we have a, a man in the Ukraine called Lionel, and he um, is actually an ex-South African uh, living in the Ukraine. And he sort of, by accident, I think, got more and more involved in animal rescue. I think South Africans actually do have inherently a love for animals. Yes. And kept finding bears and really bad quality zoos and animals in shocking condition. So he, we really have got a, a bear rescue branch in the Ukraine. But he kept coming across, across lions, and these lions are just in appalling conditions. And there's a very different kind of view toward animals in yeah. some of these um, Eastern Bloc countries where they sort of have this idea that you put something in a cage to look at it. It's yeah. like looking at a diamond. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so Lionel just kept finding um, lions in just shocking conditions. And well, so what do you do? Do you pretend you didn't? <laughs> or you know, what do you do when you come across that? Well, you have to do something. So the only solution we could come up with is to bring them home and, and put them into sanctuaries where they can actually get quality of life. Yeah, I think sometimes wildlife is looked at as a commodity, like a product that you can just you know use until it's not, not there anymore. But once it's gone, it's gone. So these lions that you came across, um, the journey to get them home must have been mammoth. How, how did that go? It was a big one. Um, so two of them came from circuses and 
from Aizu. They yeah. had sort of big box that people could see it, see them in. And so it was a, the process of getting all the permits, getting the CITES permits in place so that we can move these animals internationally to different countries. You actually crate them and put them on a pallet like this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. They get, um, they get, we put it, you know, we've obviously built a purpose built um, in little cages to secure them and uh, make sure they don't escape. Um, and, but then those cages go on a pallet and they forklift put them in an airplane and they fly. Um, they fly from Borispol in Kiev to um, uh, to Turkey, and they overnight in Istanbul. There isn't really a direct flight that has the capacity to have cargo of that size. So we have to take um, Turkish Air is one of the few airlines that actually can do that. Yeah. And then they overnight in, in Istanbul. We have um, Lionel and his wife Anya go and make sure they've got food and water. And then the next morning they get loaded back in the plane, and then they fly to Johannesburg. And then wow. these guys had a road trip for, from Johannesburg to Harry Smith. So they had an extra four, four or five hours. They really did travel a long time. And how did the, how did the Lions handle the travel? Were they, when, they, when they got to their eventual destination, were they okay? No medical issues, nothing to worry about? Two of the girls were very calm. Luca and Demira were a bit more nervous. And Luca, who was actually the ex-surface line, got very um, upset in Boris Paul. Yeah. Uh, when he was first crated. And so he was uh, mildly sedated. And then they also enclosed his cage so, just so he couldn't see out. And just, uh, that immediately calmed him down. But I've got to tell you, when they opened his cage, he came out like a lightning bolt. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I moved from, from uh, the Eastern Cape to KZN with a cat uh, in the car. That was hard <laughs> enough. So I could only imagine if you consider Luca's experience of being a, a poorly treated circus lion, he was thinking, oh, what are these humans doing now? Really? What more do I have to put up with? How are they? They're back on African soil. Where are they and how are they? They're at a, a sanctuary called Love Lions Alive, which is just a magnificent place in just near Harry Smith, um, on the side of a mountain. So each enclosure has rocks, and they can they see, see them doing the sort of Lion King thing, sitting on the rocks and looking out into Love the it. distance. Beautiful. They recovered really well. They recovered very quickly. You know, doing that trip, you always feel like you wish you could tell them it's going to get better. The little cage is only going to Yeah. But, um, but when there's such a relief when that cage opens and, and they come out and they sort of tentatively put their feet on grass for the first time mm. and... Wow, um, wow. The two, yeah, two got released in the evening and the other two got released in the morning. And during the first release, the, the heavens opened and it was just... And so it was their first experience of grass, lightning, and massive amounts of rain. I thought, oh, my word, I hope they're okay. But they, they handled it beautifully and they are just almost like they never left. And, and, and like, like, like you say, so for some of them, it's the experience of walking on grass for the first time. It's just phenomenal. Like, what? I don't understand humans. They're really, oh, man. Uh, so they're home. They're well. You mentioned some of the names. What are the names of, of the four lions? It's Luca, Demira, Dia, and Frida. Fantastic. Dia and Frida are a little couple. They, they've known each other all their lives. And they, so they're in one enclosure, and the other two have to be, you know, what used to this. So they're in separate enclosures. Oh, well, okay. So uh, the prognosis is good for these uh, these four lions. They're going to have a happy life from here, yes? Absolutely. They're going to have a heavenly life. All right. If people want to follow more of this, where can they go? Do you have a website, perhaps, that people can, can read the story, see more of the story? It's going to be up on ecr.ca. We'll also be podcasting the chat with you. Uh, but if people want to see more about the story, where do they go? 
They can find us on uh, a website, the Earth Organization, and also our Facebook is also the Earth Organization. And they can follow Lionel in Earth Organization, a large anti-Earth Organization in Ukraine if they want to see some of his other work as well. Fantastic. What's next? <laughs> what are you taking on next? Well, other than all the education work we're doing, I believe there's more lions. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> Bring them home. Yeah. Bring them home, Yvette. Exactly. Bring them home. <laughs> Let's get our African lions back in Africa. Yvette Taylor from the Lawrence Anthony Earth Organization, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us. And please, would you do us a favor and get hold of Lionel and say thank you from all of us in South Africa for the work that he's doing. I'll do that for sure. Have a wonderful thank you. day. You too. There we have it, the uh, Lawrence Anthony Earth Organization, a multi-pronged approach to, uh, to educating firstly youngsters on uh, environmental issues and then also to bring back some of these incredible animals that belong in Africa. They really do. What a story. Oh, what a story. East Coast Gold.